Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the Actus podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation integrity profession. The Actus podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Today, Wednesday, October 7th, marks our 163rd program. Today's featured Actus solution is the 2021 Actus Pocket Guide. The 2021 Actus Pocket Guide is your essential CDI resource. It includes updates to clinical diagnostic standards, official coding guidelines, IC10CM codes, CMSHCCs, and CDI and physician critical thinking tips. Our Pocket Guide is co-written by Actus CDI Education Director Laurie Prescott and James Manns, uh, a physician steeped in the latest physician documentation terminology. I want to let you know that with every purchase of the print pocket guide this year, you will have free access to an interactive, customizable online tool, which will allow you to easily access your favorite CDI information anywhere, anytime. Go to HC Marketplace to learn more or to order. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Diversity in CDI. I'm joined today by my co-host at left in a wonderful field of flowers, although I'm told she's not there right now. <laughs> we have with us today uh, Carolyn Reel. This is her first appearance on the podcast, if I'm correct. Uh, Carolyn is an associate edit editor with us here at Actus. Her main responsibilities include assisting with developing, creating, and curating Actus's publications, maintaining our website and our social media presence. She's a co-leader of our newly formed Actus Diversity and Inclusion Task Force, which we're going to get into a little bit today. So welcome, Carolyn. Thank you, Brian. I'm very excited to be here today. All right. And then we have a very special guest on uh, regular listener, but her first time as a guest, uh, Angelica Naylor. Angelica is a CDI consultant and manager with Trust Healthcare Consulting Services, which is a Coro Health company in Plano, Texas. Angelica moved into consulting role two years ago after having served as the CDI manager and director for North Kansas City Hospital in Kansas City, Missouri. Her background includes five years experience in CDI, coming from a background in critical care nursing in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area, where she worked in trauma, surgical, neurological ICU, UR, case management, quality risk management. Uh, Angelica is, of course, very active in ACTUS. She's a member of our chapter advisory board, regulatory committee, and also as a member of our newly formed Diversity Inclusion Task Force. Keeping very busy within ACTUS, Angelica. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Well, thank you, Brian. I'm glad to be here today. Absolutely. All right, let's start with a poll question, as we always do, related to today's topic. I'm going to go ahead and, and get that launched. Um, so we're, we're wondering, uh, what is your perception of CDI as a profession that welcomes diversity? And we're asking specifically racial and ethnic, uh, because Diversity can mean many things of background, of, of your path into the profession, your credentials, but specifically racial and ethnic diversity. So I, I should just say that this show, you know, is going to be a very open and honest show with one of our members, uh, 
and about our task force mission and 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 racial and ethnic diversity and we we, we do want to hear from you in this poll and frankly i would love to uh get your comments too on this topic you can do that um just by messaging me through the portal and i'll be taking a look at those and if we can work any in i will so once again what is your perception of uh, cdi as a profession that welcomes diversity would you describe it as very welcoming and receptive? Um, receptive, perhaps maybe equal to other professions you're aware of? Uh, in need of improvement? Don't know or other? Closing in on about 70% of our attendees that have voted, so I'll give this just one more minute and then we'll, we'll go ahead and close that out and we'll come back to the poll results in just a few minutes. Thanks everyone. Go ahead and close that. All right, as I mentioned, Angelica Naylor is our special guest today. Angelica, welcome to the show. Thanks for being a part of the Actus podcast. Um, I thought we could start by just, you know, could you just give us a little bit about your story, your path into healthcare, and then eventually into CDI? Sure. So my path into healthcare was a fairly easy one. Um, as a kid, I was always into math and science. And um, so the health field was a no brainer for me. There was no other field I was really interested in. I'm really stuck with nursing because I knew that it would be a rewarding career with a wide range of opportunities for growth and to explore other areas. You know, there's never, you're never stuck in an area of nursing, right? <laughs> I've done just about every area of nursing except labor and delivery. And after, you know, the physical and emotional strain of critical care nursing, then I chose to move into other areas. And actually, I started with insurance companies, and we like to call it the dark side, but yep. <laughs> we know how it goes. Um, <laughs> yes. So I've worked for United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, multiple, multiple um roles within those companies, case management, utilization review, some dual roles. And happened to stumble upon a CDI position. I was just surfing the market one day. I wanted to get back into a healthcare organization that I had worked for prior. I moved back to Texas and I was looking into getting back with the organization. And just one day I saw CDI and I read the job description and I'm like, wow, this sounds just like me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm called and applied, had the interview right away with offered the job, the job the same day and I have been in CDI ever since and I've been loving it ever since. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for that. So I was wondering, you know, since our topic today is really about diversity in CDI, um, have you ever encountered any obstacles as a person of color along your path or can you share experiences or stories that you've witnessed or heard from your colleagues? Great question, Carolyn. So I would like to say, you know, the initial, I think the issue starts with the overall profession of nursing, not CDI in particular. There's always a shortage of nurses, and there's even more so a shortage of minorities in nursing. And I would like to share a staggering statistic that I found last week. There are nearly 4 million nurses in the United States, including RNs and LPNs. 9.9% are Black or African American, 8.3% are Hispanic or Latino, 
1.3% identify as two or more races, 0.4% are American Indian or Alaskan Native. So let that sink in a little bit. Out of 4 million nurses, you have what, about 20% who are minorities? Um, and a common obstacle that I've faced in CDI has been, I have been one of the few minorities, if not the only minority in the room or at the table, especially in meetings with C-suite administration, physician meetings. Um, I, can, I can recall a time being told by my very first nursing director that I would not succeed far in nursing and I could never be a trauma nurse. Well, funny story is, 30 days after she said that, I was offered a position as a trauma nurse at Parkland um, Hospital, which is Dallas County's number one trauma center. Awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I've been subjected to many insensitive statements. And I think that's another part of the issue. A lot of people are not privy to the insensitive statements and comments. Certain statements from, you know, a person has asked for the charge nurse. I walk in the room. I've been asked, oh, are you the nurse, are you the nurse tech on for this shift? Um, other comments, wow, you're so intelligent. What nursing school did you attend? Mm -hmm. Yes, and, you know, I have a history as well in surgical services. I've done PACU recovery, day surgery, and that's a very, if anyone has ever worked in that area, that's a very hard area. It's a very hard service line to work in. A lot of high strong personalities and you know surgeons surgeons are in that area. So you feel as though you have a very fine line to walk every day. But I discovered that that line only applies to certain nurses. I can walk into the room and exercise the same level of passion for the surgical services line and that industry as my counterpart. Yet my passion for that role was misinterpreted or mislabeled as anger or aggression. And I would notice that my counterparts would sometimes say some of the same things or have the same passion when they were presenting, um, you know, presenting data or presenting a case study. They would have the same passion for the area and they were not scrutinized or held to those same, those same comments. And, you know, although the world has evolved, traditions have changed, culture, education, and information is widely accessible. Not everyone feels compelled to educate themselves. Either A, it, it's not something that impacts their lives, or B, they feel that it doesn't apply to them, therefore they don't seek out the education. I do have some CDI colleagues who have reported that physicians do not perceive them well. Mm -hmm. I know one of our fellow colleagues on the CDI task force actually shared a story that she walked into a meeting room with a provider and it was a very obvious nonverbal reaction where his mouth really dropped. He did not expect to see her as a leader in that meeting representing CBI that day. So, you know, I'm, you know, Carolyn, I'm going to end that. Hopefully I've answered your question, but I'm going to end that to say microaggressions are real and they're very common in the workplace. They're more common in the workplace than any other place because we spend most of the time outside of our home in the workplace right so could you explain a little bit how you have dealt with those microaggressions and sort of what you would recommend for people on the opposite end of it to make sure we are being more aware of that as well yes 
So, you know, after being in this profession for as long as I have and being in the non-bedside roles as long as I have, I've developed, you know, I've developed a niche for how to work with people, how to understand their language, how to understand their communication, how to effectively communicate with others, especially people in administration. I feel as though when you're a bedside nurse, a lot of people have fear or a level of apprehension. They're afraid to speak up. They're afraid to correct someone for the simple fear of losing their job. So now that I've been in these roles for so long, I don't have any reservations for correcting someone on, on the, you know, inappropriate communication or inappropriate comments. Um, it is a challenge to, to tell others to have that same confidence because I do understand the fear of retaliation. But I would challenge everyone to do the research and understand what microaggressions are. There are plenty of examples out there, even if you just Google them. Mm -hmm. Great, thanks Angelica. Just curious, um, we're gonna see the results of the survey in a little while, but what, what's been your broader perception of CDI as a profession that welcomes diversity? And frankly, I'll put myself on the spot as, as ACTUS as an organization. I mean, I, I look around at our conferences and, and I do see a fairly diverse audience, but but I'm not sure what it's like, what your perception is and, and maybe what you're hearing in the, in, the, uh, in the industry. Thanks, Brian. I have noticed that ACTIS as an organization is more welcoming of diversity than CDI as a profession. As you mentioned, at the national conferences, we see more people. Um, ACTIS does not deny anyone of membership, volunteer opportunities, chapter membership, or attendance to the conferences. I know legally you can't deny anyone, right, um, anyone access or anyone employment of your organization or facility, but we do know that some biases, stereotypes, and different things are transferred over into the hiring processes. and so. I would like to say that ACTIS is more opening versus CDI as a profession. I know in my experience, I also think it's regionally, based on the region or the location that you're in. Because when I was in the Midwest, I was responsible for hiring CDI professionals to my team. In a two-year span in hiring for four to five new CDI positions, I only received two applications who were minority candidates. Right. Also, I was on the local, I was on the local Kansas City, um, I was one of the chapter leaders. We would attend the local chapter meetings quarterly, and we would also have an annual show me state chapter, um, show me state meeting. You could count the number of minorities in that room on one hand, sometimes with a couple of fingers. So I do think there are regional challenges to diversity and CDI as a profession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, thanks for that. Go ahead, Carolyn. Um, I was going to say you've been a very strong and vocal participant of the diversity inclusion task force, um, in particular when it comes to data and wanting to gather data of our membership and numbers. Um, could you talk a little bit about what it's been like to serve on the group and what we're hoping to accomplish with our recently released survey and with our work in general? Yes, thank you, Carolyn. So this diversity and inclusion task force has been awesome. 
we kicked off what maybe two months ago we've kicked off and we've had actually quite a few meetings getting everything together um getting our mission a mission established objectives established and so i know a few months ago i was listening to the active podcast as many are today and at the end of that podcast brian you know he talked about what was going on everything that we're everything that we're experiencing on a national level um, I really would like to applaud Brian for not ignoring what's really going on and how we're all being impacted. And so at the end of the call, Brian put out a call to say, hey, we have a new diversity and inclusion task force. We're taking any volunteers, anyone of interest. And immediately I sent him an email after the podcast. We are a very diverse and unique group. I hope it is exactly what Brian envisioned when he made that call. We have a group of 10, I think, and we come from all regions. We have people on the East Coast. We have people representing California. I am coming from Texas. I think we have someone from Florida. So we have people from all over the, um, all over the United States, different backgrounds, different, different ethnicities. We have a great variation in, of experiences. We have some who are immigrants. We have some who were born of a different, you know, a different race and nationality, but they were born in the United States. So it has been awesome. On October 1st, we released an, a new ACTIS survey on diversity and inclusion. And so we're really hoping to gain and establish data and statistics on what the CDI industry and ACTIS really looks like in terms of diversity and inclusion. We started with just general demographic questions, some in-depth questions. We're really looking to define if there are correlations between CDI, geographic areas, location, race, ethnicity, and gender um, comparisons. And again, we need the data to facilitate and carry out our missions to ensure that all races and ethnicities feel welcome. All are afforded the opportunities for growth and expansion and retention in CDI. Yeah, it's great stuff. The this survey is critical, and we we will put a um a link to that in the show notes after the program. You can, as you guys know, you can find all the recordings of our programs on actus.org, as well as your favorite podcast app. So we'll 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 put the survey back in there. We're hoping people take the time to take it. We're going to be showing our poll result in just a moment here, um, but the survey is a lot more in depth asks a lot of questions about where in the country you're located and and various uh, questions related to um, your your organization, Actus as a whole. And it is anonymous. If it, we we do have an option there, you can put your name in if you'd like to be contacted. But if you'd like to answer it anonymously, that's some, something you can certainly do. Um, so please go ahead and take that. It's the, the data that you just referred to, Angelica, was so important for us to have because we have our own perceptions and, you know, it's harder, more than, it's harder than ever these days when you're, everyone's remote to, to really get a feel for the profession and how diverse it is. And we've never done a survey like this within Actus. We've done many surveys, as you guys know, on salary and reporting structure and queries and but never anything on this this topic and this is extremely important we believe in it and um, I hope you can take some time to take that survey again we'll be sharing it in the show notes or you can just reach out to me after the program we'll point you in the right direction you know I, I do want to switch over to our poll results at this time um, 
But maybe actually, you know, this this last question I did want to ask you, Angelica, is pretty important. Do you, do you have any, before we go to our poll result, any any last minute words of advice for organizations, individuals that do might want to do a little more to raise issues of racial and ethnic diversity? You know, not everyone's in a hiring position, but some are. Um, but there are other ways I'm sure that you could get involved um, if you believe in, in making CDI as inclusive as it can be. Sure. Yes, Brian, the best advice that I can give to an individual or an organization is to educate yourself. Do the research, do the work, take time for introspection, become aware of your own behaviors, biases, your word choices. Make sure you're not using those microaggressions in the workplace. And be sure that you're not perpetuating stereotypes, insensitive and inappropriate conversations. You never know who's listening or who's overhearing the office conversation. And lastly, most importantly, understand the difference between being a diverse organization and being an inclusive organization, because there's a huge difference between the two. Hmm. Interesting. Thanks for that comment, Angelica. Let's um, let's bounce over to our poll result here to see what uh, what we came up with here. Again, we did ask folks, uh, what is your perception of CDI as a profession that welcomes diversity, specifically racial and ethnic diversity? Someone actually raised a great point uh, in a comment. I was monitoring these during the discussion here that this poll result will probably vary a lot based on whether you're a person of color or not. Um, I, and that's that's a great point. Unfortunately, this poll that we have here only allows, it's pretty basic, it only allows for one option. Um, so that's why we're hoping people take time to answer that larger survey. But here are our results. So 51% describe CDI um, as a profession as very receptive and welcoming um, to diversity, specifically racial and ethnic. 31% describe it as receptive, probably equal to other professions. 12% say it's in need of improvement. 7% do not know. And then uh, we didn't get any others, although I did get some some interesting comments that I might take a look at here. But Angelica, any uh, any surprises? And Carolyn, any any thoughts on on the survey? Um, so I wanted to say quickly that that's pretty similar to the results we've gotten so far on our survey. Um, I believe we have about just under 19% say that CDI as a profession needs improvement with this. Um, but again, this on this survey, we're actually able to, you know, look at the the races of those people who are answering. So it's super imperative that people can answer those as well, so we can get a better idea of that. Um, but at this point, those poll results look similar to what we have on our survey. Right. Your thoughts, Angelica? Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I would. I would back up what Carolyn is saying. It's comparable to what we've accomplished so far with the active survey, but I do want to make sure that we note that we have not received many responses to that active survey that we've put out so far. I don't even think we're at 100 responses yet. And the person who made the comment, Brian, that these poll results will vary greatly depending on who the respondents are, is definitely true. And we know that that's, that's the important thing about data, which is why it's so important that we get a larger base 
and a larger respondent group to the overall active survey. Because if you're not a person of minority, then you're going to feel as though ACTIS is welcoming. You're not going to feel anything because you're not faced with the challenges, obstacles, neither are you in the office or with coworkers just in daily conversation. You're not subjected to the same microaggressions as a person of minority is. Right. Right. And in our, our broader survey, we did ask folks um, who felt CDI needed improvement with racial diversity to write in suggestions. Um, and one suggestion that I wanted to discuss with you a bit, Angelica, was a comment saying, I think everyone needs to work on anti-racism. So I think sometimes people don't fully understand the difference between being, quote, not racist or being anti-racist. So I was hoping you could explain that a little bit for folks and, you know, the difference between the two and why it's so important to actually be anti-racist. Thank you for mentioning that, Carolyn. And whoever the respondent was, if you're listening, thank you for bringing that comment forward. That's a very important comment, um, very pertinent to discuss, and I'm glad to have this platform to bring some light and truth to that comment. So being not racist simply means that you may not discriminate, you may not hold biases against minority races. So you may not view yourself as being racist because you don't hold those biases, you don't hold those stereotypes. You may actually have minority friends. You may even be married to a minority or a person that's of different race than you are. You may have in-laws. You may have coworkers and associates who you view as very close to you. You love them. They're very important and essential people in your life. However, to become anti-racist, you must use your word of mouth, written expression, or other platforms to bring attention and awareness to racism. You must speak out against and speak out to correct other racist behaviors. As the adage goes, if you're not part of the solution, then you are part of the problem. Hmm. Right, so it's almost- Does that help, Carolyn? Yeah, it absolutely does. So to sum up, it's almost a difference between being passive versus active with actually dealing with the issues of racism. Right. Yeah. Right, it's like a whistleblower. If you're, if you're watching someone else do wrong or commit a crime, then you may not be committing the same crime or committing the same action, but how, how are you really helping if you watch, if you sit back and observe and do nothing about it? Right, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, definitely, thanks Angelica. Great discussion today and important. Um, we're gonna switch over briefly here to our in the news segment and it, it actually ties into the, today's topic, imagine that. Uh, this was a great uh, guest post written by the always insightful and entertaining Dr. Howard Rodenberg. He's on our Actus Regulatory Committee. Uh, this piece was published September 28th on the Actus site, Social Determinants of Health for Social Justice. Um, so he states, and I recommend reading this again, we'll, we'll, we link to all these articles in the show notes, uh, but he is wondering what we can do as a CDI community specifically about all the issues of unrest going on in society. He believes one way that we can help tangibly uh, through our actual jobs is, is focusing on social determinants of health as a way to promote justice. Um, social determinants of health, I, I don't have time to go through what they are, I recommend looking those up if you would like to learn more. Um, these are factors that influence health status, 
beyond the simple pre presence of physical or mental illness. Things like, and he mentions these in the article, income level, educational achievement, food security, housing status, social networking. Um, fortunately, ICD-10-CM does give us a way to address these. There are Z codes, Z codes, uh, it's the series Z55 through 65. They're relatively easy to capture for codes. Um, clinicians involved in the care of the patients who are not the patient's provider can be used for coding. Uh, this information represents social information rather than medical diagnoses. So we, it is an easier ask to get this information from a physician. One of these codes actually can impact reimbursement. That's homelessness, uh, Z59.0. Um, but he says the data that results from these, from aggressive identification and coding through expanded use of Z codes can help us capture the hard data needed to overcome opinion and bias. Um, and he gives a couple helpful tips here. It's a pretty long, lengthy article, really nice job by uh, Dr. Rodenberg. The CDI team could work across departments to establish consistent mechanism for capturing this information. Um, without a consistent routine ask, it's likely to be collected erratically um, and not really appear in a, in a reliable, capturable way. Um, and then we could use this information potentially to look at length of stay, hospital charges, mortality rates between self-identified racial groups, levels of education and income and employment status within a DRG. Um, it may, may or may not result in, it's no, not necessarily evidence of racism, classism, or particularism, he says, but it might prompt a review of records to see if there are internal disparities in treatment. So really interesting, provocative piece in, in a tangible way that CDI could get involved through the review process. Uh, curious what you think of this, Angelica, if you have any comments on social determinants of health or have you seen anything in your travels as a consultant that hospitals might be doing well in this area? Yes, so first I would like to commend Dr. Rodenberg. He always writes fabulous articles, very detailed. He does a great job with the analysis portion. Um, as a traveling consultant, you know, a few organizations that I've worked with, I haven't seen a huge push for social determinants of health, especially on the CDI side. I've not seen a huge push that we get involved and we get hands-on. As Dr. Rodenberg mentioned, maybe we could create templates um, and also some querying processes or templates for the providers or nursing staff so that we do make sure that we're capturing that data because as we know, social determinants of health are becoming ever more important now to capture and, um, because of the impact that it has on the patient's length of stay and severity of illness. Those things are very important. I think a lot of organizations may not be focusing on it because a lot of them are not CCs or MCCs. And so we still have organizations whose programs may remain financially driven. Right. Yeah, good point there. But do do check out the article. Um, again, available on actus.org. Last thing I want to do is just wrap up briefly with an actus update. Uh, I did mention this on last week's show, but I'm going to say it again and I'll keep saying it. Uh, we are hoping people will apply to speak at our conference next year. We are planning for a live 2021 event. Right now we are scheduled for Texas in May uh, and we have our speaker application period is open. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. I just clicked on the main link here. Um, this actually should be October 15th. We've updated that deadline, which has passed. You've, you've got another week. We'll, we'll get this updated. 
Um, essentially, we're looking for speakers on all aspects of CDI. Maybe it's a clinical diagnosis you want to cover. Maybe it's a case study of your program. Maybe it's uh, your impact on quality, uh, a new service line you've expanded into. We, we, we would love to have your application. So please go ahead and apply. You know, if 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 you're still up in the air to travel, and we know a lot of you are, including including us, frankly, um, we do a lot of virtual events, and your proposal will not go to waste. So apply to speak. Um, we also have a not a lot of surveys out right now. We're we're doing a travel survey. We're still looking at this. This is important as well. We're trying to gather some data on where people are with their travel plans for the next year and this year to help us as an association plan as best as we can in a very uncertain climate right now with uh, with COVID. So appreciate you guys taking these surveys and, and being a part of our the Actus Podium next year, if you can. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and, and wrap up the program here. Um, we're gonna be back in two weeks, back to our regular cadence. Uh, it's gonna be September, October 21st for uh, the 2020 CMS HCC model. A little bit about some of the changes coming with HCCs and the formula by which uh, those are calculated. So um, as a reminder, you can listen to the show recordings anytime on our website via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Uh, again, I wanna thank Angelica for coming on today. Angelica, wonderful job sharing your story. and. Uh, some really powerful stuff today and, and important. I do encourage folks to take our our survey and we'll, we'll link to that. If you have any um, suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, any feedback on today's show, you guys know where to reach me. You can get me at bmurphy at actus.org.